0: Hello, and welcome to the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Linda Descano, and I'll be filling in today for Nancy Anderson as the host for this episode. On today's episode, we will be talking about the Havas Meaningful Brands 2023 Global Report, which is hot off the present. Joining me to dig into the findings from the latest round of research are the co-leads of Meaningful Brands, Seema Patel, who is the Managing Director of MX Intelligence for the Havas Media Group, who's here with us from sunny Miami. Welcome Seema, nice to see you.
1: Nice to see you as well, thank you for having me.
0: And from across the very small pond sitting in London, which I hope it has stopped raining today, is Mark Zinak, who serves as the Global Chief Strategy, Data and Innovation Officer for the Havas Creative Network. Hey, Mark, welcome.
2: Hi Linda, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for asking me along. Yeah, It hasn't stopped raining, I can tell you.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that, but we hope today in our recording will give you enough sunshine to get you through the day. Of course. There is just so much to unpack in this latest report, which is called Welcome to the Meconomy. But I want to start with you, Seema, because the three of us, Very familiar with the inner workings of meaningful brands. But for those listening that may be hearing about meaningful brands for the first time, this is a franchise that is what celebrating its 15th year. So give us the backstory behind meaningful brands like, what is it? Why did we launch it? And so forth.
1: Right, so it's really exciting to share, you know, how Meaningful Brands was launched, and it's kind of, you know, astounding that we are almost in our fifteenth year. It was launched in two thousand and nine, um, and we really started this Meaningful Brands journey to understand what makes brands meaningful. And specifically, we really wanted to explore, you know, how brands can improve people's lives functionally, how they can improve their personal well-being, as well as how they can contribute to, you know, really the greater society as a whole. It's really, you know, it's based on an online questionnaire. And we're really excited this year to be working with our new global partner, YouGov, to really evolve this meaningful brands methodology to not only improve, you know, participant experience with the study, but also to continuously improve the quality of the meaningful brands product. The scale and breadth of meaningful brands has always been very comprehensive and large. Last year, the previous study was uh, covered over 30 markets. 2,000 brands and interviewed almost 400,000 consumers. So it's very, very large, very comprehensive, and you know from this plethora of data that we get, uh, multiple different outputs are really produced. You know, we we tend to release one global report a year. And then we also produce local reports on both a category and brand level, as well as local markets executing their own local reports with their clients. And then we also do ad hoc surveys throughout the year to really fulfill those you know, specific client
0: needs. Well, this is the time of year that I wait for when meaningful brand. I am a bit biased, let's face it, because I am one of your colleagues. But maybe you could also touch on like what really makes this unique. Yes, the breadth and this scale but it's more than that right yes absolutely and that's a really good question
1: you know i think there's really four kind of main ways that this this is really a unique study in our industry the first being that as i mentioned this was launched in 2009 so it really is the first global framework that connects brands with human well-being second i would say you know it explores the strength of a brand's role and how it translates to business performance through our proprietary metric, the Meaningful Brand Index. Third, you know, really identifies how brands can meaningfully engage with or through media, customer, and brand experiences. And I would say fourth, it really helps to identify the deficit or the gap between, you know, what a consumer's expectations are versus a brand's delivery.
0: So Mark, I want to bring you into the conversation, putting your strategy hat on. So if you put yourself in the shoes of a brand marketer, right, a chief communications officer, what would you advise? How should they be thinking about the data coming out of meaningful brands?
2: Sure, sure, sure. I mean, SEMA speaks to the amount of data that we've got within our gift and its uniqueness as well. So we come at it from a very specific sort of angle, which is really interesting to us. But look, there are huge and varied ways that Start to cut that data, but I'll pick on three just to sort of focus the conversation a little. I think the first really is to see the data as something of a cultural barometer. So the meaningful brand study, we're sort of really measuring the relationship, as Seema said, between brands and people, but in the real world, right? So at a high level, the data is giving you the temperature of that relationship, sort of telling you where the pressure points are, it's giving you a sense of the mood of societies around the world. And it's also giving you an indication of how people feel towards brands and businesses right now. So it's very real time and it's sort of, you know, really current. So that's the first one. I think the second would be then to double click on category insight. So the meaningful brands data gives us the ability to put a category lens on it. So you can see from a market point of view or a categories, uh, a brand's point of view, you can see how your category shows up, how people engage with it. You can see where the strengths and weaknesses are. And of course, that can give you a really good competitive perspective, because you can also see how other people are related to other similar categories or other brands within your own category. And then I think the third thing, so again, double clicking again into detail, is to put an audience first mindset across this and look at the data using segmentation. So as Seema said, we can use, we've got access to YouGov data sets, so we can start to triangulate using other aspects of the YouGov data to overlay and other indicators and structures that perhaps sit with a brand or marketing facility. So we can start to sort of really explore certain sectors within your target audience that relate to brands and businesses. So it gives us lots and lots of different layers, and lots of depth and work in lots of different ways across that spectrum. So we think it's an incredibly versatile study, which has a huge amount of value and insight to offer.
0: Well, you just teed up when you said segmentation which I think must play into the title of the report, Welcome to the Meconomy. So my gut is we're going to talk a little bit more about segmentation and personalization. So as we begin to dig in, Seema, you mentioned new partner. So maybe you could tell us about what the 2023 study encompassed, number of markets, number of brands, categories, and so forth that were covered.
1: Sure. So with our new partner, YouGov, this report involves 10 markets. We will be expanding the study later this year as we you know, continue this partnership with YouGov. But so for the 2023 Meaningful Brands Report, it covers 10 markets. We surveyed over 91,000 citizens across 42 industries and over 1,300 brands. So still quite a large
0: study covering you know, the globe. And I love that you're using the word citizen and not consumer because we wear multiple hats, right, depending on the time of day. And that really, I think, helps brands connect people in a much more deeper way because we're consumers, but we're also sellers and we're creators and we wear all these many hats. So I just love that new framing. Okay, so time for a drum roll. Based on this latest round, what makes a brand meaningful today? So um, that's a good question.
1: So before getting into kind of top of mind, what comes to my mind, I think it's important to note that with this study, I think there was a sort of shift in this overall kind of energetic shift from more of a doom and gloom mentality to more kind of positivity and resilience, which inevitably will influence what makes a brand meaningful for people today. So really the three kind of key takeaways that come top of mind are the first one being, you know, really that the definition of purpose has It's really about, not just about the wider society and making sure that, you know, around those sustainability environmental goals, so there's bigger, loftier promises that companies are making, but really there's been a more focus towards more inward and really focusing on the self. People really are expecting to feel more tangible benefits in their day-to-day lives. I mean, really with this economic situation today, and the ups and downs of it, it's even more apparent. Brands really need to take this into consideration and understand this new definition of what purpose means. I think the second thing would be on that same note, with that kind of inward focus, this dialing up of expectations for personal benefits for brands. And what was really interesting is it really came back. All of the things people were really seeking seemed to go back to basics. People really want to engage with brands that are optimistic, that bring them joy, that you know support their health and well-being, that honestly, ultimately, at the end of the day, just makes their lives simpler and easier. In fact, we found that, you know, most of the meaningful brands in this study, the top ones performed 63% better delivering personal benefits compared to the average brand. So this is something that's really, really important to people today. And then lastly, I would say, you know, with this shift in in the mindset, people are really starting to connect brand sustainable behavior with their own quality of life. And they're really drawn to brands that not only focus on just supporting them, and even more so from, as we saw in the past, saving them almost. It's really about shifting into more championing and facilitating them as individuals as they look to make a more active role in
0: making a difference. Well, I love well, all three really dovetail so well with some of the work that we've done in Red Havas in terms of our annual predictions. And, and on that third point, in we did a white paper last fall that looked at the changing news environment. And what we heard from journalists based on their readership is, don't make the brand the hero. Lead with impact, the, the benefit to the, the people that the brand is supporting, whether it's through their de initiatives, through community outreach, so forth, and the brand should be the sidekick. And that's really what it is. And then to build on what you said about purpose, I mean, one of the other things, and I think this applies to not just how we interact with brands as consumers, but as employers, we saw, and we talked about starting in 2022, that more and more employees were looking to the brand for a very personal experience, right? I want benefits. I want learning opportunities. I want to feel meaning for me. Yes, I want all of the like to do all the right things for society and for the broader employee base, but I want to see benefits that are right for my life as it is today and then I can evolve them over time. So it was really um, heartening to see that, you know, some of those those signals are really playing out and now there's hard data to support it.
2: I think so. Yeah, I just want to uh, jump in there, Linda. I think there's two types of purpose now. I think consumers have become much more sophisticated. I think they expect a business purpose to be about doing good, about, you know, focusing on ESG performance, about, you know, being a smart and right-sized business uh, and being a great employee brand as well. And then there's a brand, right? The brand purpose, which, as you say, is much more about, you know, be in my world, entertain me, show up, make my life easier, make my life better. And consumers, I think this study is showing us for the first time that consumers are really sophisticated, and they can distinguish between the two things, and they can tell the story, and they can they can discern what a business should be doing versus what they want their brands to be doing in their world. And and as Seema said, it's there's a lot around the brand space which is let's get back to basics and entertain and and please and and empower and and drive well-being and all those sorts of aspects, which I think you know perhaps perhaps became a little bit of a second you know it was a second string a few years back which we can, you know we can talk about because that's what our study showed last time out as well which is really interesting
0: well I love Mark maybe you could also take us a, a bit deeper and tell us a little bit about how brands are doing overall and maybe touch on a few that came out on top and what res- really resonated with them yeah
2: sure 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 <laughs> well the, I think the first thing to say is um not all brands are doing a brilliant job, right? Which is it, it's sort of that's not a big revelation, but consumers are really discerning, right? They are quite an um, it's quite a specific relationship that they're looking for, and not many brands can cut the mustard, can make it, right? So they would quote most people would quote that you know seventy five three quarters of brands disappear out of their lives tomorrow in normal care, which is you know what we what we call our a, a, a inconvenient truth, you know from a from an agency perspective that that data point is very uncomfortable you know but I guess the way that you can articulate and understand that is increasing proliferation of choice increasing competition increasing disruption increasing commoditization across the marketplace means that only a few brands make it into that coveted position for people the ones that do, are doing, as Sima said, they're ticking all the boxes. They're, they're able to get their functional story right. So the one thing, right, the one thing that really plays up really, really well at the moment is utility, usefulness, right? Am I using this brand regularly? Am I using it daily? You know, is it in my life on a regular basis? That doesn't need to be the product, but the brand. Am I using the brand? Am I engaging with this brand on a regular basis? Is, do I love it and am I, am I, do I have it around me? There's a really big space around utility. So so there's a big play there that we think is really fascinating and interesting. The next piece really is starting to go, okay, what are the best brands doing? They're getting the personal space really right as well. They're sort of playing into the new trends around well-being, wellness, you know, and that's not just um, physical well-being, that's mental well-being, as you said before, and spiritual well-being as well. So there's a holistic sense that the brands that are making the biggest difference to people are driving that sense of well-being uh, in people's lives and making tangible differences, again, as Seema said. And then that last piece in the collective space, which is the brands that are getting it right, their businesses are doing good in society and culture and communities around people. So people can actually feel the difference that's being made by these businesses, and actually they're relating to that in their own lives as well. So this isn't just a sort of telling the world you're doing a good job. That's actually showing up and doing something. Positive about it, you know, in and around people's lives. The tangibility seems to be a really critical element that people are starting to look for as well.
0: That's such a good point, Mark. Because I think, as you said, this is a sophisticated person, right? And it's not just about making bold statements and grand pledges. It's about the follow through, and everyone is watching to see is there a consistency between your words and your actions
2: yeah for sure. I mean, look looking at our study last time out and our study now, I think you know we in the study that we ran a couple of years back, we really um surfaced a really a really challenging issue as well, which is, you know, people were calling out businesses and brands that were almost you know greenwashing, really were stating really, really big claims about how they were changing the world better. And consumers were living in a world that wasn't getting better, right? People are living in a world that is not in a great place right now. So, there was a real disconnect for them. So we, we term that the age of cynicism because people, citizens were saying, no, that's not happening. You're not, that isn't good that you're, you're saying one thing and, and not doing it in, in the real world. And then as a consequence, we've now got this new piece of research, which is showing people want to get back to basics, you know, make my life a bit better, make my day to day more enjoyable, you know, help me out a bit more. You know, that's now what's what people are looking for. So I think we've got this really nice storyline that we See over the course of the last couple of studies, which really do sort of identify, as we said, that that new sophistication, that new understanding about how brands and businesses are different and need to do slightly different jobs, and about how people and what people want for businesses and brands moving forward. So I think it gives us a, a huge amount to work with for clients and, and businesses, and allows us to really give good advice about how they should distinguish which messages and what channels and, and the sort of behaviours that we need to start delivering.
0: And during a time when as you said in the draft report that you shared, you know expectations continue to increase about brands taking an active role in the societal issues that are shaping right, all of, of our lives and how do they approach those issues, which could be very polarizing and also put them in the, the radar with some politicians, elected officials. So how do you really frame those issues in a way that, continues to build the relationships and and stay meaningful to all of the the citizens the your employees your community leaders your customers in a way that really feels authentic to the brand and authentic to what the brand values are
2: I, I mean the other thing I would say is that this is all about the uh, enabling people to do it right the big element of the economy you know it's all about me and helping me do good right helping me do good stuff right so So it's less, I think, about businesses and brands sort of telling the world what they're doing and more about businesses and brands platforming and enabling people and citizens to sort of behave in a positive way. And and also through consumer choice as well, right? What you buy, you know, effectively shows you your value set. So all of it is now about shifting the sort of pendulum really toward what are we doing to help people, you know, perform better, live better, work better. And deliver, you know, positive and progressive behaviors, I suppose, as we move forward.
1: And just to build on that, it's not necessarily only from the you know DNI perspective and doing good in the world, but also how to help them. They're very active in their own personal lives, their own health and well-being. They're taking active roles. So it's from a both personal perspective as well
0: as the greater. One of my takeaways is every brand or business should think of themselves as in the health and wellness space you know because really from what you're saying we're, we're all thinking about ourselves in a holistic way you know we're being encouraged in many organizations to bring your full and authentic self to work so that means we're going to also take our full and authentic self where where we shop and where we dine and and the choices we make about like what we do in our leisure time so brands do have to think in that very integrated fashion about the full mindset that you know, their audiences are bringing to the table because you don't leave the rest of those aspects of yourself at home when you're engaging with a brand.
2: I mean, I think the data point is 71% of people say they want brands to do more to enhance their own personal sense of well-being. And that's universal, right? So that's across segments, across uh, generations, you know, across demographics, which I think is striking, right? It's really striking that A, that that's, that's cutting through now from culture into how people want businesses and brands to show up in their lives. But it also shows where people are post-COVID, which is like, look, now it's about getting my health into one good place, getting my mind into a good place, getting my body, getting, getting my relationships into good places. That's a big, big narrative.
0: I'm curious, given that the study covered 10 markets and a cross-section of uh, demographics, were there any noticeable differences, either based on country of origin, based on generation that you saw, or were all of these issues perceived with similar importance?
1: So I would say that across the board, we didn't find many pronounced differences from generation or market perspective. I mean, we do know that Gen Z generally tend to be more optimistic and are happier than say the general population. They also tend to be a little bit more demanding in terms of prioritizing themselves. We did see, you know, there was a bit more desire for brands to help them feel more in control in the APAC regions in China, Australia, India, as well as in Mexico. And then we did find from a boomer's perspective, very slight, but they are slightly less likely to think as of collective benefits as improving their quality of life versus the general population. But again, all of these were very small nuances when there was general consistency across the board from our findings.
2: There were some things that surprised us. Because I think you come into it with a preconception about the way people are set up in the conditions we're now living in. But I think, as Sina said, people are remarkably optimistic. I think that was really interesting. People are way more optimistic about the future, yet they say that they're experiencing crisis in their life, but they're actually optimistic about the future. You know, the Gen Zers are, on the one hand, really conscientious about the world out there, but at the same time saying, it's about me, please. Come on, come to me first. Satisfy my ambitions and my goals first, um, do something else, which I thought was interesting, and then equally in the whole piece around respecting people's gender, respecting people's identities, that's a that's a universal truth now around the world, which is uh, I think quite surprising that you know even in those Eastern markets and, and the markets which are sort of you know so much more in a control space are actually equally influenced by the big narratives that are playing through in the DNI space. So I think there's some really really fascinating sort of um, surprises, I guess some of those storylines, which which I think surprised us.
0: Particularly when you mentioned about the more universal acceptance of gender is really more of a spectrum, right, not binary. Reminds me, not too long ago, I was signing up. It was a non-US-based website, and my choice was like Mr. or Mrs., and just didn't reflect the realities of the way many of us think about our identity today. So that, to me, is just very Heartwarming, but it's also an important signal to brands about really thinking about this fluidity of gender identity and from every touch point, from employees to a customer journey. And, and how do you make sure everyone feels welcome and included? To your point, Linda, when you mentioned the Mr.
1: and Mrs. Checking the Box, it's really a reminder of how brands need to think outside of the box.
0: Yes, like, like exactly.
1: Literally- <laughs> To really be include be more inclusive and yes
0: yeah because if to a point mark that you made earlier you can say that you know as a brand or a business you have certain values when it comes to inclusivity but then at the individual touch points along the journey of interacting with that brand you want to see that played out a detail as like to me As specific as that was like, what is going on here? Brands have to think about that in in a very integrated and expansive fashion.
2: I think so. I think what's fascinating from uh, my altitude perspective on this, how much culture influences people now and how fast culture can travel around the world. And there is an increasingly universal culture uh, that I think is starting to influence the way people think about themselves and think about their relationships to brands and businesses. So I think, you know, Lots and lots of business and brand owners talk about culture, but they sort of put it to one side. I think you've got to put it into the middle of your business and go, right, we have to work out how to integrate with what's going on in culture and what's happening and what the cultural narratives are, because they're real and they're influencing how people are setting up their own lives.
0: And you also looked at the connection between a brand's meaningfulness and financial performance. And so what did you see there?
1: So, I mean, there's definitely a connection between the meaningfulness score of a brand and its performance. So similar to previous years, you know, we've really seen a large gap between the most meaningful and the least meaningful brands across all of the KPIs that we measure. You know, for instance, examples from this study include, if you look at purchase intent, the gap between the highest and lowest meaningful brands is a 58% gap. If you look at advocacy, it's a 67% gap. And in addition to, you know, we know that meaningful brands Top performers outperform the stock market by two hundred and twenty-two percent, which is consistent across years. They're consistently outperforming the stock market. So we know that you know consumers really are willing to pay more for and recommend the meaningful brand, which really does demonstrate that meaningful fosters media.
0: So there are two more topics I want to cover before we have to bring this conversation to a close. So love to circle back to maybe you can highlight two or three of the brands that appeared on the index in in terms of the top three or or five?
1: Yeah, so I mean, what we saw, again, referring back to what Mark was saying about how brands that really perform well across all three pillars, and we have seen that from a WhatsApp, Amazon, Amazon Prime, those kind of daily brands that people utilize on a day-to-day basis make a difference, as Mark was alluding to before, that, that idea of utility really topped the list. From a collective perspective, I found it interesting. The brands that really topped were a lot of the car brands, the high-end car brands, BMW, Porsche. I think that's very much associated a lot with carbon offset. You know, you think about that, but they actually perform really well this year. And then you you do see, you know, a lot of those utility brands, such as Vanish, Lysol, those household cleaning products. Again, daily usage very tangibly makes a difference in people's lives. So we're seeing, again,
0: that those are the types of brands that really... I mean, you talk about like Lysol and Vanish, but they're part of the Wreck-It family, which during COVID really was front and center, educating all of us about the importance of washing our hands and how long we needed to wash our hands. So, really got very engaged with all of us and supporting our well being and allaying concerns about the health and safety as we were experiencing it then.
1: Absolutely. And this year, you know, from a Vanish and Lysol perspective, they perform very well on a functional collective basis, but interestingly, Lysol also this wave performed very well across personal. So they actually dialed up the personal benefits, and you see them actually as number six on the, you know, on the top most meaningful brands. So really, really good. point. They've kind of continued on their momentum from what they were doing from a few years ago, which makes a long term difference.
0: It definitely does. So Mark, again, putting on your channeling your inner CMO and CCO. I know in the report, you've outlined 10 ways that brand marketers and communicators should think about how to really apply this. So maybe you could just touch on three or four of the ones that you really want everyone to think about first. And of course, we'll link to the full report so everyone can dig in a bit deeper.
2: We've touched on a lot of these already in the conversation, so that's great, because that means that we've done justice to the study so far. But focusing in on a few that are the big ones, I think, we talked about it, but, let, you know, making mental and physical wellness universal, you know, I think that's a biggie. You know, 71% feel that companies and brands should be doing more to improve and support people's health and well-being. So there's a demand there that people, brands can facilitate and enable that I think that could be a really, really powerful opportunity for businesses moving forward. I think there's something that connects really closely to that, which is that people want to continue to experience and feel more. You know, they over you know, there's lots and lots of positive feelings and over-indexing on wanting new ideas, on connecting in new ways, on building people's self-confidence, on feeling good. So again, it relates directly to the mental wellness and the well-being piece. But again, it gives us more texture into that space as well in terms of how you play and how we develop that. I think that again. You look into behaviors as well. So, you know, a lot of businesses and brands, I think, can quite austere over the course of the last couple of years with their purpose conversation. But people want much more optimistic narratives now. You know, they want brands to help them feel more energized and alive. You know, 54% of people say that they are optimistic about the future. They want to feel good about themselves. They want to give in a sense of happiness as well. So, again, there's a really strong theme, a strong narrative all around how we can help people generate greater well-being and and a sense of positive aspects and those sorts of things that i think is a really really big trend with lots of different aspects to it that brands can get around and then i think as sima said there's a piece very much around utility getting the functionality right you know getting the that purpose that sort of driven you know product into hand you know all those sorts of things about how you behave in those sorts of ways so i think those are sort of some of the different areas that i would pick on you know encourage everyone to sort of you know dig into the study and and play around with it. There's plenty of data there. And obviously we'd be, Seema and I'd be very, very happy to take any questions or help out at any point.
0: Well, we appreciate that. So Seema, what's next for Meaningful Brands? Are there any other reports uh, coming out later this year? Yes. So lots of
1: exciting things for Meaningful Brands. First, as we talked about earlier with our partnership with YouGov, now that we, and, and Mark also alluded to it already, but with our connected and integrated data set that we have through this partnership, the Meaningful Brands data will continue to become more robust and we'll be able to generate more Meaningful Brand insights that we can action against for our clients. So it's really exciting to be able to kind of expand that data set and be able to use it in multiple ways, which is very exciting for all of our teams. And then you mentioned another report. And this year, we are actually releasing another global report at the end of the year, which we're very excited about. And it will cover over 30 markets. So it'll be a little bit bigger than this. But lots of great things coming out of that. We're very excited to share in
0: your future. Well, we are looking forward to that, and we will be reserving time on your calendars so you could come back and let's continue the conversation. There is again still so much to unpack. I know I'm still processing all of the great insights, but you know, really brands have to be very consistent what they say and what they do at the base. Your products and services, right, have to deliver. They also have to be relevant and give me a platform, be an enabler for me to be my best self, make my life better, make my life easier, help me sort of achieve my goals, and then also do right in my community. Because if my my community is strong, when my community is thriving, I'm also thriving. And keep that positive vibe and that focus uh, and allow me to be like my authentic self. Uh, and so, and like almost like be the champion, right. Of the the change I'm driving change for myself and I want you to pave the way to support me. So wonderful insights. We look forward to having you back to continue the conversation listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Again, we will have links to all the meaningful brands data in our show notes. And if you have specific questions you'd like us to take back to Seema and Mark, you will know how to reach me and we will happily create some additional content and continue the conversation. Thank you again, Mark and Seema. Have a great rest of your day.
2: Thank you very much Linda, that has been great. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app, You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications, insights, and trends from the team at Red Havas.